Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, issue 15, Into the Night. Here we go, starting off again at the cover. Done by Dave McKean, this cover features Dave's wife, Claire, and a spider that had got stuck to some cellophane tape in his studio and had both died and dried up before he found it. Oh, so this is not a living spider crawling on her face. Yeah, it's uh, one that died and they found the carcass of, Mm. nicely preserved. So I imagine she's supposed to be Chantel or Zelda? Yeah, one of the two, yeah. And then above it, there's lace that looks like it's rotted through to wood, mm-hmm. maybe, and a couple of different kinds of bugs. Yeah, decay seems underneath, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Into the Night, page one, 824, we're back at the house. Mm-hmm. And the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. Beautiful silhouette there. Also, very easy to draw, I would say. Lots of black just fill in. Mm. Ah, I don't have to draw any of the detail on this house. Maybe. Uh, except for this little intricate bit in the window. Oh, mm-hmm. why am I adding this extra work? <laughs> I must be an artist or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks great. And she gets into the house and all the roommates seem to be gathered, uh, just waiting to hear how things are going with her. Yeah, kind of communal and fun. They're uh, They're good to each other. It's nice. A lot happens. I like that this happens in the kitchen because I've lived in big communal households and I feel like all the shit goes down in the kitchen. Yeah. Really. All that like emotional labor, caring for each other, that stuff that happens in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's food involved. Mm-hmm. It helps. Ken and Barbie keep talking like creeps over on the next page. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So disturbing. Finishing each other's sentences. They're doing it on purpose. They do it on purpose. But both shots of them are so disturbing. So they're at the table and they have these, not only do they have the identical smile, they have the identical head tilt. Yeah. And then at the bottom of the page, when they're holding each other, it's like they're one person. Mm -hmm. They're wearing the same pants, the same sweater, the same look on their face, and they're making the same hand gesture. It's just strange. Yeah. Yeah. Monogamy gone too far. Stepford yuppies, right? They're robots pretending to be human beings. Yeah. They only have one program. I'm not uh, not a huge fan of the art style early on here. Uh, And it's a little messy, but it really still conveys... I I say that, and then I see the picture in the top right of uh, Chantel, and I love it, Mm -hmm. right? So I say that, and then I pick out bits that I think are fantastic. It's just other bits I feel are, I don't know, they feel a little weak. But I absolutely love how in every frame he manages to show us how tired Rose is again. Yeah, yeah, she does look exhausted in every frame. And I really enjoy um, Chantel's message from Zelda. Mm -hmm. Zelda has a reassuring moral homily concerning (laughs) God, difficult times, and a variable number of footprints in the sand. She told it to me once, and it cheered me up remarkably. Yeah. (laughs) She could have spent that time just telling the story. No, 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 no. I think we all know it, though, don't we? We all know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is homily? A usually short talk on a religious or moral topic. Okay. So 
the footprints in the sand and yeah here's two sets of footprints because jesus is walking next beside to you. you and then during those hard times there's only one and you're like where were you that was when i was carrying you and I'm like, that's bullshit, Jesus. I think I know which footprints are mine yeah, and which Jesus. are yours, dude. You are wearing sandals. I'm wearing shoes. These are all mine. Now, where I'm asking you the question again, Jesus. Where were you? Yeah, Jesus. Did you like take my shoes off when you were carrying me? Was I passed out? Mm. Did I fall unconscious when you carried me? That's what he's claiming. When you went unconscious, I wore your shoes. But at what point in this homily does Jesus take the wheel? That's the time when you see the tire tracks instead okay. of the footprints the in the sand. When your footprints are replaced by tire tracks, it's yeah. because Jesus took the wheel. That's right. She's drinking some tea. Herbal, I guess, because they don't want to have caffeine because she just wants to go to sleep. Professor Elemental would not approve. Why would Professor Elemental not approve? Have you never heard of Professor Elemental? No. He's a rapper, and he has a rap about tea, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, one of the verses goes like, when I say oolong, you say yes, please, oolong, yes, please, oolong, yes, please. When I say herbal, you say no thanks, herbal, no thanks, herbal, no thanks. So it's, I think it's, the song is called um, Cup of Brown Joy. Okay. It's, I highly suggest everyone listen to it. It's really good. And I actually enjoy herbal tea, but I absolutely make that joke anytime someone offers it to me. Well, they all go off to bed and leave Rose to her tea. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she wishes mom, her mom could be there. Um, she feels like she's completely incapable of looking after her little brother, but her mom can't come because Unity, her grandmother, is sick in England, and so her mother can't leave her. In the last three weeks, I'd found an unknown grandmother and a long-lost brother. So it's been three weeks since at least the start of it. Mm-hmm. And she heads to sleep up the stairs and feels like she can't. Who has not been there? Mm-hmm. The lying in bed, eyes up, wishing you could sleep. Everyone else in the house, though, has no trouble getting any sleep. Yeah, and we get a glimpse into their dreams. Ken and Barbies are quite different, despite their outward appearance. Ken's dreams are really weird. Like, it's like serial killer cut out. Writing, you know, when you mm-hmm. when serial killers send messages to the paper and they cut out from news clippings, that's what it looks like. It's just weird. Yeah, it's all about money and promises and power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Barbie has this amazing dream world. Oh yeah, like with I would read this series. <laughs> the Arch of the Porpentine. Uh, porpentine is an archaic form of porcupine. So Arch of the Porcupine, I guess you could say. And it is pretty pointy, Mm -hmm. if you look at it, the big glowing thing. Mm. And a hierogram is a sacred symbol. Oh? Yeah. And we hear about, so we've got the the cuckoo, the disciples of the cuckoo. And she's talking to this giant dog-like guy or guy-like dog. Martin Tenbones. He looks like the Lorax. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Except like he's been uh, taking steroids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hitting he's the buffed gym. up. Yeah. 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 And I really like her sunglasses. Yeah. It's a pretty cool Barbie. Uh, Princess Barbie with the cool shades. Mm-hmm. When I was first reading it, I thought her voice would be very like this. <laughs> and then you pointed out to me that she looks like a different character who would have a very different voice. <laughs> I can hardly believe that we are here at last at the Arch of the Poppentine. 
<laughs> I'm a glob. <laughs> Which would, I guess, make him uh, Jake the dog. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know if I can do Jake. I can't do John DiMaggio. He's the master. I've heard him talking about his voice acting as Jake the dog, mm-hmm. and he describes it as his own voice, but with a hug around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're wondering, we're talking about Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Jake the Dog, Finn the Human. Check it out. Lumpy uh, Space Princess. Lumpy Space Princess. Yeah. So many good lives lost, Martin Tenbones. And because of what? A confection of spun silver and rust quartz. Was it just for this? (laughs) Chantel's dream is really fascinating. This would be the first time we get to see her face, if this is her face. Yeah, well, we see them sleeping together, and it's mm-hmm. close so enough, and she's made up, and I mean, yeah. a little stylized and, and you know, dream lo- dream-wise, but... But it's our first time seeing them, and they both appear to be fairly young and blonde. Mm-hmm. And Chantel is having a relationship with a sentence, just one of those things, a chance meeting that grew into something important for both of them. In the crossover where we see them sleeping, Chantel and Zelda sleeping, Mm -hmm. it says, with Melmoth, we walk the corridors of Otranto. Mm -hmm. Oscar Wilde lived for three years under the pseudonym Sebastian Melmoth after the titular character of Melmoth the Wanderer, an iconic 1820 Gothic novel. Okay. And 1764's The Castle of Otranto is widely regarded as the first Gothic novel. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that what that means is we both totally dig reading Gothic novels, read them together. Yeah. We indulged in our love of Gothic novels together. Well, Zelda's dream to me really looks like Alice in Wonderland meets Gothic romance, Mm -hmm. kind of. You know, like Alice, instead of going to Wonderland, goes to this awesome world of Gothic fiction. And you think that she's scared about a certain thing, but then it's, let it be Chantal, not my mom, not my mom, please God, please God, thank you God, oh thank you God. When the veil is lifted and we see that it's neither Chantal nor her mother, it's just a big giant spider head. I really like that there's just this short moment where you hear sort of the voice of her mother. Um, I know it's going to be my mom saying, oh God, Z, you're sick. Listen, Robert, do you know what I found in her room? Your daughter is disgusting. Disgusting. And it's just, you know, packed into that writing with no spaces as this little glimpse into into her not wanting to see her mother and why she wouldn't want to see her mother Mm -hmm. because her mother doesn't like the things she's interested in and thinks she's sick. Yeah. Probably because she brings little dead animals into her room and keeps their bones and stuff. Yeah, great little stuff. And Hal dreams. Hal dreams of Bet and Judy and Marilyn. Mm-hmm. They've come to tell him the big secret. He's always suspected there was a big secret. And then he wakes up. Oh, lost it. Some dream, a good dream. Well, we've heard about d- secrets in dreams. Mm-hmm. You get to hear them, but then you don't get to remember them when you wake up. Ah. So what's even sadder knowing that now is that he got told the secret mm-hmm. and had it and was super happy in his dream, but then woke up and forgot it. But then he tries to go back to sleep, Mm -hmm. specifically thinking, what was I dreaming about? Judy Garland. And so Judy Garland is in his dream, and she's ripping off her face because that's not her real face. Yeah. She reveals uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. And uh, it's kind of hard to tell here, but it's confirmed by people who've looked this up. The third face there, when the witch pulls her face off, is the Wizard of Oz. 
Oh. Yeah, that's not Hal's face stuck in there. That is the Wizard of Oz's face. I didn't think it was Hal's face, but I thought it might either be the wizard or the guy who plays the lion. I thought he looked a little bit like that, Mm. but I think his eyes are a little squintier and less like... I, I definitely see the wizard now that you've mentioned it. Go to sleep, Rose Walker. Wind up the day. Let it go. So she's tossing and turning in bed, going over the day, going over all the things she can't control. Mm -hmm. And she's telling herself to forget the big bad wolf man who hurt you and who wanted to hurt you worse. Forget the pale stranger. Was he really there at all? And when you try to remember him, he fades and shimmers until he seems little more than the echo of a dream. You're tired, Rose. Wrap up the day. Sinking slowly downward and inward, enter a world where everything's going to be just fine. Unity will be fine. Jed will be fine. You're so tired. Just let it go. And we can see the panels start falling. Mm-hmm. They're on an angle here. One of them's even off the edge of the uh, of the page. And she seems to just remember, where's Gilbert? You know, she hasn't seen him since she got back the whole time that Jed has been in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And as she starts to fall asleep, we cut to Gilbert arriving at the hospital and sitting at Jed's bedside. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> cut over to Morpheus and Matthew. Mm-hmm. That thing that Matthew is perched on looks a little bit like the thing in Barbie's dream. It reminds me of that. Oh, the porpentine? The porpentine. It's not exactly the same. The arch of the porpentine, I guess. The thing that's holding it up, that it's a little curvy. That has a person on it. It's not identical. It's it's got the same same crossover thing. It looks like it's got a wing or something. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably just my raven needs a perch, so a perch has appeared. Mm -hmm. Right? Because he's standing on this. He's on a a big spire of rock. Mm. And then this perch is just there and it's kind of artful and happens to be perfect for his raven to stand on Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it's just an artistic little perch to show up okay if she's dreaming they both are dream things so the relation might be kind of intentional yeah Mm. and we see that she's forming into a vortex yeah we see a big swirly it means a number of things but they're not your concern at this time and he sends him back to the boy in the hospital that's jed and matthew says i don't like hospitals and if you know Matthew's backstory, you can remember why. Because he spent so much time in a coma until the hospital started stealing his organs in order to sell them on the black market. You know, I don't I don't understand at all how that would give you a bad impression of hospitals. Yeah. You know, I think that could only endear you to them more. Yeah. Yeah. Ken's dream get more pornographic. Mm-hmm. Still money, though. Do it to me, dollar sign. Mm-hmm. Right, he's got this whole sex money thing going on, but it's also it doesn't look like it's very distinct, right? No, it's really not. It's chaotic and messy. I don't think he knows what he really wants. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has enough imagination to come up with a good dream. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. Whereas Barbie has this vivid, vivid dream world. She's actually having conversations with characters in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like established lore in the world that keeps repeating, you know, it continues. Yeah. The same storyline continues throughout mm-hmm. the dream. If the cuckoo's forces mean to attack us directly, they must do it before we reach the brightly shining sea. Love it. Mm. Caution, Princess Barbara. 
I scent strangeness in the air. <laughs> He's a bit like a like a real big Pomeranian. Yeah. Like a saber-toothed Pomeranian. Yeah, yeah. He's got the both vicious and serious and cute at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that combo. And then something is happening, my princess. Listen. You gotta just do it. Oh, God. Oh, my God. So she gets a little taste of Ken's dream. Yeah. Entering into her dream. Mm-hmm. And then we see Chantel and Zelda's dreams start to crash over on the next story. Chantel is caught in a loop mm-hmm. where it's just the same story over and over and over and over and over. And it's not even the full story. It's just the beginning of a story. Yeah. This uh, recursive tell me a story actually comes from a collection of stories oh. written by Remy Sharlip called Arm in Arm, A Collection of Stories, Riddles, and Echolalia. Mm-hmm. That Tell Me a Story is actually a really beautiful piece of art That's it's drawn this way. It was a dark and stormy night. We were standing on the deck. The ship was sinking. The captain said to me, tell me a story, my son. And so I began. It was a dark and stormy night. We were standing on the deck. And it's the spiral in the waves of this art as there are there's art representing the story going off into the sky at the same time. It's really, really cool. And Neil got it from there. And it, it looks like a Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, too. a little bit. Visually, yeah. it looks like the Fibonacci. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a, a recursive uh, pattern going on there. So you're going to get something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's funny is I've had those moments. When I was a kid, I used to get those a lot, those like repetitive little brain like earworm brain loops when mm-hmm. i would play my piano i would come up with like a a really short little lick of a melody maybe five notes long and it would get stuck in my head and i wouldn't be able to not hear it just the same five note lick over and over and over and i, I used to think i was going crazy and it would just be like <laughs> stuck in my head and i would dream it all night long and i yeah, I just remember obsessing over those things. <laughs> I don't know if other people have experienced that, but that would happen to me a lot. Hmm. No. Nope. Zelda knows Chantelle wants her to tell a story, and she says, In September of the year 1911, a post-chaise drew up before the door of Aswarby Hall in the heart of Lincolnshire. This is actually the beginning of M.R. James's short story, Lost Hearts, although it is slightly misquoted in the story. It's 1811 instead of 1911. Mm. Uh, it's about pubescent children who are taken in by a sinister dabbler in the occult who cuts their hearts from their still living bodies. <laughs> so it's a really, it's a gothic horror story that she's about to tell her. It's the kind of story you could imagine Zelda would wish would happen to her. Mm-hmm. I wish some occultist would take me in and teach me his dark, sinister ways. Yeah. The way, same way as, as a kid, I sat there and patiently and not so patiently dreamed of getting my letter to Hogwarts. <laughs> she dreams of getting kidnapped and having her heart cut out. I mm. guess. What's interesting is that their dreams are blending together, mm-hmm. and Zelda doesn't take this as unusual. Whereas I think it's a little strange for for Ken's dream to kind of bump into Barbie's dream. Mm-hmm. That is weird. That's something that's probably never happened. Their two dreams are so not alike that they're so opposite of each other that... 
Yeah, that it's like, what the hell's that? Yeah. Yeah. Or what the heck is that? What is that? And whereas Zelda gets a glimpse of Chantel's dream and goes, oh, you need a story. Here's a story. Yeah, you need me to rescue you. Okay. And it almost feels like this is not the first time this could happen, you know, or it, it just seems, yeah, it seems natural for the two of them. Mm-hmm. I think it shows that they have a better relationship. Also, when you see, when they show both of the couples in bed, you see Barbie and Ken earlier in the in the issue you see barbie and ken are right to the edge of both sides of the bed on their side and turned away from each other dreaming facing into their own dreams um whereas the way it's situated in the first page of Chantal and zelda's dream they're tangled asleep in the middle and you're not even sure which person is which and then their dreams are on the top and the bottom of the page mm-hmm. so it just feels like they are more aligned they're more together yeah yeah absolutely I think all on purpose. Mm-hmm. And we head over the page and we see Hal's dream is going very, very well. <laughs> Hal sees his ex, but not the ex that he saw, but the ex that or the ex that he had, but the ex that he really wanted him to be. Yeah. And it's all amazing and magical. And their tune is playing in the background. That is If I Were a Bell from Guys and Dolls. I go ding dong, ding dong, ding. <laughs> it's a pretty common uh, audition number. Yeah. For, you know, Belter Sopranos. And that's their song. Mm-hmm. Rose dreams. She knows she's dreaming. She's never had a dream like this before. Everything seems so real, so vivid, more true and more vital than the waking world. Her sense of identity has never been so certain. She can feel her sleeping body on the bed below her. It's no part of her, the essential her, the true rose. Falteringly, she extends her perceptions. As she's becoming the vortex, she realizes that the trueness of her has nothing to do with her body. It's all the vortex, like she has become the vortex. She sees the other dreams. Yeah. She can feel Chantel's dream dreaming intricate self-referential loops, trying to reveal nothing of herself to herself. Zelda still fighting old battles, the little girl and the woman whose heart she shares. Barbara's rich dream world more valid and true than anything she feels when waking. Mm-hmm. She Everything that we've seen by, by reading about it, she's recognizing as well right away. Ken's turning world of money and sex and power. Hal's endless quest for identity and love. And she sees how simple it all is. She sees how thin and fragile the walls that divide them truly are. She says she sees how simple it would be to shatter them. She reaches out her mind. She reaches out her mind and nudges. And the walls. And next page over, we get this gorgeous two-page spread. I will point out that in Hal's little panel, Mm -hmm. he is standing in front of the fields of poppy yeah. and seeing the emerald city yeah. and that's where that's where um all of the 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 hero team in wizard the of wizard oz. of oz the hero team in the wizard of oz 
uh, that's where they fall asleep in the field of poppies uh-huh. on their way to the Emerald City. <laughs> yeah. And he's dreaming. Big, huge vortex. Full two-page spread. It's really beautiful. And she's floating in the center of it. Yeah, I love it. And the people who are near each other physically seem to be near each other in this as well. Mm-hmm. So that Ken and Barbie, recognize their dream selves see each other and recognize each other. Chantel and Zelda are near each other. Hal is off alone. Mm-hmm. But the walls are now down. Yeah. And Morpheus is uh, is also looking in. Yeah, he's looking down on it, I guess. Through like a little window? Yeah, through his little panel because he's been looking at it this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then she, that where she just realized those walls between the people in her house were so thin, she starts to reach out across the city and we see how dangerous a vortex is, mm-hmm. right? That she can just tear these walls down. And she's already done some damage by, obviously, this is not right, you know. Mm -hmm. The person sleeping next to you's sex money dream is not supposed to come crashing in across your vivid fantasy dream world. No. Right? That is not supposed to happen. They're supposed to stay separate, and that's probably dream's job to make it it so that doesn't happen. And sure enough, here he is. Mm -hmm. Comes in and stops her. But he seems to be able to do that. She thinks she's freeing them by just mm-hmm. pulling the threads and, and putting them all together. Yeah, the brutal towering dreams of the very young, the fine tracery of lace memories of the very old. It would be, it would be so simple to create one huge dream. Enough. Right where she was probably about to go. Yeah. He was like, okay, put, uh, stop on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beep. Well, the guy who is in charge of all of this is back and our dreamers awake on the next page. And again, I said what I said about the art. And oh, man, this shot of Zelda and Chantel is just amazing mm-hmm. the, with them together in the bed and their stuffed spiders and the other ones that are hanging and the layout and the lace. And it's amazing. Yeah, they have a they have the draping over their bed, which reminds me of the draping of their veils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they live in a gothic world. Yeah. It's their gothic dream world. Ken wakes up and he's horny and he <laughs> he wants to have sex. <laughs> so it didn't seem to bother him so much that the dream world came crashing in. I guess his his sex money dream was going and all of a sudden somebody dressed up as a fantasy princess shows up and he goes, okay, I can roll with that. Whereas for her, having the mundane mm-hmm. baseness of his dream entering her perfect pristine fantasy world was probably very jarring and when hal wakes up he has this feeling of dread and he decides to go investigate he grabs his flashlight and he heads up the stairs because he wants to check on rose Mm -hmm. but he's not surprised to find out her bed is empty yeah so when morpheus showed up he did not this is letting us know this is not just a dream Morpheus has taken her away now. Yeah, when she created the vortex, like, she went with it Yeah, when he she went, took her away. She is in the dream world. Mm-hmm. And then we get a glimpse of Unity. In her bed. Mm-hmm. And requesting that the dollhouse go to Rose. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, you know, she... She wishes her parents could be with her and it wouldn't be so hard. She wouldn't be afraid of dying if her parents were there. 
but at least Miranda's with her. Mm-hmm. And this hits Miranda because it's for the first time that I've actually, that you really consider Miranda is making this brutally awful choice of do I stay here with this old woman who it turns out is my mother, but I didn't know her all my life mm-hmm. while my son is in critical condition, in eight hours away on a plane yeah. in critical condition. Yeah. Like, and how do you make that choice? You know, and like, Unity is saying, you know, it would be easier if my parents were here with me. And she's thinking, is Jed thinking this? Is Jed lying there in bed thinking it would be easier if my mom was here with me? Ugh, awful. Mm -hmm. But at least Rose is still all right. Seems like she might not be. Maybe not. I mean, at first she seems okay. She's flying with Sandy. I've never had a flying dream before. Wee! Mm Mm-hmm. Say, whoever you are, do you know what Freud said about dreams of flying? It means you're really dreaming about having sex. Indeed. Tell me then, what does it mean when you dream about having sex? Uh, where are we going? (laughs) Can't answer that question. And Dream likes these uh, spires of rock, these hoodoos, I guess Mm -hmm. is what they are. It looks like a boot. And we are back at the hospital. Matthew meets Gilbert. All of these shots of Matthew are so epic. Mm-hmm. They're just great. Just like flying through the hospital. Just looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, the the middle panel of this page, mm-hmm. um, when he's talking, he just looks so cool. Like, that's what I want a raven familiar to look like if I had a raven familiar. <laughs> I don't know why he wanted me to come here, to be honest. I don't even think you can hear me. No, I doubt that he hears you, but I can. I suppose I've been waiting for you or someone like you, someone who had come from the dreaming to take me home. So, bum, bum, bum. So you thought he wasn't a dream. I thought he wasn't a dream, but now that I know, I know who he is. Who is he? Well, now I'm, I'm torn. Should I be sane or should I let the listeners who haven't Ooh. figured it out hold on to that knowledge? The, or the lack of knowledge. Or is this my prediction? Or Because I'm pretty sure I know who he is. We're at the end of this issue. Mm-hmm. And look, really, we're going to find out next issue. There's no denying it that we're going to find out who he is. So who do you think he is? He's Fiddler's Green. Oh, the fourth missing dream. Yeah, well, he knows stuff about dreams. Mm-hmm. He has this like deep knowledge of so many things, right? Like he's yeah. a character who can endlessly quote things and he also loves to talk about theology mm-hmm. and i remember when you first described to me what fiddler's green is maybe not in the dream world but what fiddler's green is in actual mythology yeah it's a type of heaven kind right? of yeah it's a it's not like it's it's one of the heavens as yeah, it's, a, it's to, an afterlife yeah it's an afterlife and so like what better kind of character than someone who cares about theology and seems to uh, recognizes that in his mind God is real. Mm-hmm. Um, then Fiddler's Green, yeah, that's my guess. I'm guessing he's Fiddler's Green. <laughs> in the bottom right panel of this page, Matthew says, "I did some rotten things near the end. You know how it is. <laughs> Let's just say I'm glad all that stuff is in the past and in another life." And Gilbert says, in quotes. But that was in another country, and besides, the wench is dead, I see. 
That is a quote from Christopher Marlowe's The Jew of Malta. That's circa 1589. It's Friar Barnardine who says, Thou hast committed, and Barabbas says, Fornication, but that was in another country. And besides, the wench is dead. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't count if it's a different area code. So it was a long time ago. Yeah. And she's no longer with us. Hmm. So, you were once alive, and you have become a dream. Hmm. I was a dream once, but I left. And truth to tell, I was rather enjoying being alive. Still, all good things. I shall miss life. I felt that I was getting quite good at it. And I believe I shall miss Rose Walker. The Vortex? I love his eye-bobbing. Yeah. Rose is the Vortex? His eyes pop so hard, his little... I want to call it a monocle, but it's not. It's a duocle. It's a duocle. His, his little uh, duocle pops little, right off. Little reading glasses. Uh, Nez pinch. Those are his Nez pinch. Nez pinch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think duocles is better. What do you think, listeners? I think duocles. Oh, dear. I should have realized. Yeah, but it's okay. The boss said he was going to deal with her. He said there'd been lots of other vortices in the past, and he dealt with them as well. How does he do that? <laughs> How? He terminates their physical existence, little bird, to protect the dreaming. It's the only time he is empowered to take human life, you see. It's one of the rules. He's going to have to kill her. Now I know why Dream doesn't just randomly kill people who are doing bad things. He's not allowed. Yeah, it seems that way, right? He's allowed to give them forever nightmares, Mm -hmm. I guess. And he's allowed to bring them back to Arkham and let them go, mm-hmm. which he's done. But yeah, he is not really very often allowed to kill humans. Yeah, he's not allowed to get all murdery, mm-hmm. unless they're a vortex. It's not that he can't, it seems, right? I mean, obviously he, he could. No, but the rules. But he's got rules. Them's the rules. So are you omnipotent if you have rules? Hmm. I don't think he's omnipotent. I think he's endless. But not omnipotent. Ah. Well, what's going to happen next issue? What's it called? Lost Hearts. Lost Hearts? Mm-hmm. Kalima. <laughs> Hopefully, the next one will be less racially insensitive than the Temple of Doom was. Yeah. <laughs> Lost Hearts, I... So, Rose has to die? Yeah. Well, I don't think Rose is going to die, first mm. off. I think I'm thinking back to when Desire was all like, oh, we're tricking him now. This is not what Desire's voice sounds like at all. Um, but when when she was or they were wanting to screw with Dream again and they were saying the next Vortex is a girl and she's totally hot. And so I think that Dream won't kill Rose oh. because she's hot. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, more reasons than that. Baseline reason, because she's hot. You think he's going to let the dream world collapse? No, I think he's going to find another way. Oh, okay. What's this other way going to be? Well, I don't know. That's the point in the story to tell me that. Um, <laughs> I think maybe the way, maybe it's time for Gilbert to actually make that heroic sacrifice. I thought he was going to make two issues ago. Oh, he's going to offer his life for hers? Maybe. Okay. That seems like a Fiddler's Green kind of thing to do. Also, I think that the story will have to confirm that he is Fiddler's Green. We're 
I will confirm that we will learn who Gilbert is next issue. Mm. What do you think they're going to do? Not tell you for a while? No, I mean, come on. Also, listeners slash readers, if you figured out who Gilbert was and you want to comment on this episode, only if it's Fiddler's Green. If it, if you figured out he's someone else and you're actually right, don't tell me. I don't want to know. But if you figured out he's Fiddler's Green and you want to m- comment on this episode about when you figured it out <laughs> and if it was like ages ago and I'm silly for not having figured it out earlier, you should totally do that. Comment on the post on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Uh, and I would love to read all about that. Okay. So what I think is going to happen is Dream is going to, there's going to be another way. We're going to find out how not to kill her. Um, and that's the hard okay. parts bit. So Dream's going to be clever and figure out a way to save Rose Walker's life, but sure. stop the vortex from happening. Yeah. Okay. That's my totally self-serving next episode. Sure. We will find out next mm-hmm. episode. You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue 15, Into the Night. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, including Google Play Music and iTunes. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Angle. Hear more at kaiangle.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up. <laughs>